You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of the podcast. I'm very excited to bring this one to you. Let's get a little bit of house cleaning out of the way real quick, and we'll jump right into this. So first of all, I want to thank everyone who contributed to our fire relief raffle that went on for the last few weeks. We ended up generating a total of $16,951, almost seventeen grand that went directly to supporting firefighters, families, and those who were displaced by the fires in my area. So thank you all so much for contributing to that. That that was incredible. The response was amazing. And the fact that we were able to do that is is just fantastic. And also, again, a huge thank you to all the companies that contributed to that fire relief raffle. You can go to my Instagram and scroll back if you didn't get a chance to hear about that before now. But absolutely amazing response. I'm completely blown away and so thankful to everyone that donated and contributed to that. That was just amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now for something much less important, but still sort of crucial for keeping this show on the rails. If you enjoy this podcast, there's a couple ways you can support the show. You can go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash tone mob, where for just $5 a month, you too can get extra episodes delivered to your ears every week, including extended episodes with our guests, including this week's guest, Mr. Rob Chapman. So that was a lot of fun. We actually dig into the uh, topic of extraterrestrials fairly heavily. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed hearing what he had to say about it. Anyhow, you can also help out the show with your gear purchasing habits simply by going to ToneMob.com slash Reverb or ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater for your gear purchasing needs. If you go to ToneMob.com slash Reverb, that's going to take you right to Reverb.com where you can do anything through there, any purchasing, buying, selling, whatever, and a little bit of that purchase is going to come back and help support the show. If you go to Sweetwater, if you're a Sweetwater shopper, you can go to ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater, and you'll see a list of things that I've actually selected and enjoy, but you don't have to buy those. You can do anything through that link, and that will also help come back and support the show. So, all right, with all that business out of the way, let's get into this episode with Mr. Rob Chapman. Rob is a YouTuber, an incredible musician, guitarist, and songwriter, and the man, or one of the guys, I should say, behind Chapman Guitars. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. He's a great dude, and, you know, he was an inspiration for me trying to do some of this guitar online, you know, stuff, whatever this content creation thing is. Rob is definitely somebody who inspired me along that journey, and he's been doing it for a very long time. So, Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Mr. Rob Chapman. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Rob Chapman. Hello, what is Blake. going on, man? Uh, I'm sat in my pants in my bedroom, um, having just, um, made pasta for my kids. And, uh, now I'm chatting to you, which is really nice. I'm excited about this. I've been wanting to do this one for quite a while. And I was just like, well, you know, his email's right there. I'll just email (laughs) him and see what, what happens. Right. (laughs) Well, it's, it's surprisingly easy to get hold of me. And um, I'm glad that you did. It's 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 good. And in fact, a few people I've already told you, but a few of my followers emailed me saying, "Oh, you're going to be on Blake's show. That's cool. I'm looking forward to listening to this." So, yes, your reputation follows, goes behind you, in front of you. It's a good thing. <laughs> Let's hope. I I never know. You know. You know. With the internet, it it it's hard to know what people are saying about you in various corners. And sometimes I want to know, and sometimes I don't want to know. I'm uh, sure I you think can the relate. Best. 
Yeah, the best thing is just not to worry about any of that and just live live your life. I think. Um, I think you're it, right about that. Yeah, it gets it gets dark. You know, you can fall down a rabbit hole of, you know, first you're looking at I don't know binging with Babish, and then you end up looking at house renovations, and it ends up in like wormholes in space and how to make toast properly and ten ways to open a banana, and then you're really in you're in trouble. <laughs> wormholes in space is something i can get into with yeah, really it's wonderful it's the internet's a wonderful awful place at the same time yeah. but uh before we get too off subject and off of the beaten path which i'm sure we will i want to know your story you're somebody that i've been following for years uh, online just watching your content but I don't actually know the story of Rob Chapman. Like, when did you start playing and how did all this play out for you? You've done so many things in the time that I've known you, but I'm sure that there's more before that. Oh, man. Um, well, the problem with being old is that there's a lot of story. So I will, because a lot of your listeners will, will know this already, I'll try and condense it down and make it as, as non-dull as possible. Um, but yeah, I started playing guitar when i was 16 my uncle and my dad got me a guitar it was a really really bad sort of falcon strat copy and um and i was really scared of the volume <laughs> i had a little a little uh, analog practice combo and uh, i remember playing a d chord for the first time and just being terrified um and then something something clicked and and i I don't know what it was, but it, it was, I was trying to learn a U2 riff and something just clicked. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I was obsessed with the edge from U2 and Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath. And just, you know, I, I can distinctly remember realizing that a certain sound was a guitar and that I'd worked out that on the music I was listening to, that was a guitar sound that I wanted to emulate. And I, I got into a jam band and then, you know, band after band. And then one of the people who really inspired me was one of my, my very early um, teenage friends called Alex Bullis. Um, and he and I were in a, a little metal band at school, you know, playing Metallica covers and UFO covers. And, and um, when I was 17, very sadly, he, he took his own life and it, that deeply affected me and I kind of, I made a pact that I would never give up um, with guitar for, for him. And so I, I spent hours and hours and hours practicing, locking myself away, trying to come to terms with the loss of him and um, decided to go to a place in London that at the time was called the Guitar Institute uh, to study to be a guitarist, discovered Joe Satriani, Marty Friedman, Steve Vai. Um, my world was utterly turned inside out. And um, yeah, I just, you know, burnt out after a year, <laughs> didn't want to see another guitar, um, but could but could play. Um, didn't really focus on theory. I just wanted to eat food and, you know, talk to girls and things. And um, ended up with, with a real job working in an optician's manufacturing glasses and then i ended up in sort of me managing laboratories making spectacles and i thought i've got a job this isn't what i set out to do <laughs> i had no interest in this <laughs> so i uh, i joined another band uh and then another band and then ended up in a band called the black hand which i, I formed with my my drummer ian brenchley i've been with playing with Ian for years and years and years ever since I was at the Guitar Institute I had played with Ian for maybe 10-15 years and um, the Black Hand did pretty good we, we ended up recording a couple of EPs at Abbey Road with some really amazing producers one of whom um, was Eddie Kramer and Eddie Kramer for, for, for people who wouldn't know who he was um, he produced and engineered almost everything Jimi Hendrix did along with the crew and um, lots of my heroes wow. like Steve Vai and my God, the Beatles, Jeff, everybody. He's just a phenomenal 
right place, right time, but amazingly skilled individual. Um, I mean, he, he engineered Woodstock and, um, Eddie took me under his wing. It's incredible. I said this before in interviews, but it's incredible how being listened to so intently ultimately changes how you, you listen to yourself as a musician. So he, he really changed who I was and taught me a lot about the industry. And then I became a guitar teacher and then the black hand had a little bit of, you know, charting distribution deal kind of success. Um, and then I ended up discovering, uh, my space <laughs> because I wanted to advertise ah. my, my guitar lessons. Yeah. I was like, Oh, what's this internet that is now a thing and never was, um, this looks interesting. <clears throat> and I, and I made a little video and it, it went something like, hello, I'm Rob Chapman, and I teach guitar in Trowbridge, Wiltshire, and if anybody would like a lesson, please come along. Here is a major scale. And um, somebody watched the video on MySpace and said, hey, man, this is really good. You should think about joining this new place called YouTube where you can upload videos and you can do anything you want. And I thought, that sounds cool. I'll, I'll do that. So I made videos initially to – advertise my uh, my guitar lessons private guitar lessons in Wiltshire and just became obsessed with making videos it, it was a bit like you know making it was a bit like writing a song there's a beginning a middle and an end you have to produce it and, and engineer it and and at this point I was I was now playing sessions for, for EMI and Universal and doing all sorts of exciting fun things as well as teaching and YouTube kind of documented everything I was doing. It was a fun way of of having a diary. So if I went to do a, a session for, for Abbey Road, maybe, okay, so I did one for Ingrid Malmsteen, for example, and I documented bits of that right at the beginning of my YouTube journey. Some of the first videos I upload are me with a Fender Strat that Fender gave me trying desperately to learn uh, live in Leningrad solos that I then had to <laughs> no, notate go to a studio and turn into a karaoke kind of um, <clears throat> play along type thing. And um, yeah, stuck with it, formed another bunch of bands. In, and I guess kind of here I am now. It's like, a, that was uh, 11 years ago, two and a half thousand videos ago. That's what that was. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mad, Sometimes I'm like, I've done so many podcasts and then I'm like, I've done like, between this and the the chasing tone podcast that I do with with Wampler, it's like four hundred, and then I think of somebody like yourself or like in the podcaster world, like Joe Rogan or something, and it's like he's done like seventeen hundred episodes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm still a baby. I still have so much <laughs> longer to to go. Um, yeah, it's it's wild, man. It's wild. But so that was eleven years ago. Something how, like eleven years ago. You, yeah. How much has YouTube changed and how much has it changed the type of content that you put out in that time frame? That's a good question that no one's asked before. How has it changed the kind of content that I make? So initially, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of in a little room hiding from my now ex-wife uh, in a broken relationship. And, and YouTube for me was really a catharsis. It was a, a place to hide and create and do anything other than resolve my problems at the time. So the kind of content I made was just crazy. I mean, I, you know, you've probably seen some of it. Um, songs about pizza. Domino sent, Domino's sent me a little credit card with money because I made a video about pizza at one point. Um, demonstrations where I just, I don't know, it was just really off the ball uh, you know, this is what's inside my mind with with no boundaries. No, no, I didn't care. I was making it for me. I wasn't making it with any agenda. And to an extent, that's still how I am. <clears throat> Other than now, I own a guitar company and and I have children and I have serious bands that, that sell music and make money and stuff. And, and as a result, I'm, I'm a little bit more self-conscious, put it that way. So some of the things I do are measured um, by by my brain, whereas before I think I kind of didn't really have any boundaries. I wasn't really 
I just wasn't, I didn't really care what I uploaded. It, it was just sort of for fun. And um, I think the way that YouTube has changed is that for sure the algorithm is now a game that you have to play. So previously, if you put a video up, the chances are people would just find it and view it and share it and comment because it was a new platform. A bit like the way Instagram was a year and a half ago. It was a free mm-hmm. world. And now you it's not so much that there's competition. It's more that the platform has, has matured to the point that they want to monetize it and uh, which is fine. And and they, they would like you to to pay so that they make money as well so if you if you make a video and it's a really good video and you thumb it really well and the title's catchy you might if you're lucky reach 15 percent of your subscribers but if you you know and that that's a, a very different planet from where i was originally you know originally subscribers were a very valuable asset and now i would almost argue doesn't make any difference at all how many subscribers you have you could have 400 subscribers and you could pay money to promote a video and, and have as many views as a person that had 20,000 subscribers. So it's really become mm-hmm. a very different platform. Yeah, one thing I've noticed, I, I've been doing this podcast for a long time, but I've neglected YouTube just because of the amount of work that I knew it was going to be. And I uh, last month, I decided I was going to do 30 videos in 30 days just to like kick myself in gear and like really just make myself do it. And so I announced that I was doing it. I started doing it. Uh, and then as a lot of the listeners know already, there was these crazy wildfires in my area and we had to oh, get man. put on an evac notice and all this stuff. And so it was like, uh, I guess I'm, I kind of, I basically, I, I made a video. The last video I made was like, well, I failed and here's why, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, I feel like it was a valid excuse, but honestly I could have pushed on afterwards and like, you know, only been down like five days or whatever, but it just like mentally took me out of the game. Like, you know, when you're getting ready to like work out and you're in the middle of a workout and then like something yeah an emergency happens you can't really get back to that headspace and that's kind of how i yeah. felt about it i but what i did notice is how strange the algorithm was because i did put out a bunch of different kinds of videos and the ones i would spend the most time on and like i'm like okay this is a good one i'm i'm glad i i put in all this work they would do fine you know they would do okay for my little tiny channel and then I did a stupid like unboxing video mm. and it did, it was one of the best performing videos that I did. And it took me like an hour and a half to make versus right. like six. Um, and what you're describing and is, yeah, what you're describing is absolutely uh, ubiquitous. It's, that's what it is now. I mean, for example, I've had exactly the same experience. I have hired full film crew to shoot scripted, um, you know, fantasy journey demonstration stuff and then i've shot an iphone chat and had 14 times the views on the iphone chat and i think a lot of it is what do you want to watch when you sit down and watch youtube people Mm -hmm. they want to hang out with the person they like and just just chill you know they, they want reality real stuff um i don't think they want really involved um, things all of the time, maybe in, in our um, corner of, of the world. But also, I think it's really it's down to the YouTube out, bot. You know, you need to teach the bot where and what and when you are, and um, and then it seeds that out. I mean, if that was if if detailed uh, high production content was all you made every Wednesday at six pm, it would get bigger and bigger. But if you change the kind of content that you do, it doesn't like change. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, that was all I did was change. I mean, the style was basically the same, but one video might be me demoing a guitar and the other might be me just talking about something. And so the style definitely changed or the yeah. format changed rather. The style yeah. was always the same. So, yeah, it's it's a weird world at my my channel still like itty bitty tiny uh, and it's still me just trying to figure it out. 
but I guess we all just are trying to figure it out, no matter well, which size our channel is. Yeah. The other thing, Blake, is that we, we MI, you know, guitar, music industry, is tiny. I mean, you must, you probably know this. If you look at a pie oh, chart yeah. of, of YouTube and, and viewers and what they want to see, we sit in, you know, uh, like, if we're lucky, four or five percent of, of, of the pie. If we were making content, you know, my summer haul of shoes or top 10 PS7 games or, you know, 10 ways to cook beans, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, uh, you're going to get instantly a bigger audience because it's a more widely interested topic. Whereas, MI mm-hmm. where we sit is is very very small and so I think YouTube doesn't want it doesn't YouTube is a robot that wants to make money and so it's looking for content to push that will make it revenue and so it's always looking for an angle on a piece of content to sell advertising and so it will only push and seed content that it feels would be attractive to an advertiser that's the biggest insight your viewers will ever get into how that works. Mm-hmm. No, that is that is a hundred percent right. YouTube doesn't care what kind no. of content it is, as long as it's noticing that people are sticking around and watching it. That's yeah. what that that robot cares about. That's all it cares about. Absolutely. That's why Baby Shark has four billion views. A hundred and ten percent. Honestly, if Jesus and Buddha came to YouTube and made videos about being nice to each other, it would get zero views. But if they made videos about how to make French toast, they would get billions of views. It's just the, the robot is is trying to find content. I did an experiment recently. <laughs> I made videos with the word buy or shopping in the title. And mm-hmm. sure enough, YouTube just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. That's so crazy. It's so yeah. crazy to play being controlled by the machine. <laughs> we are the machine <laughs> or are we the virus which one is it yeah well know. yeah topical right now <laughs> <laughs> well this actually is it segues a little less into guitar stuff but I, I the reason you were getting emails was because I posted in my Facebook group that you were going to be coming on the show okay and I have some questions for you so this one actually uh, segues nicely into what it's kind of dovetails off of what we were already talking about. So let's go with this question. And Todd, I know I always mispronounce your last name, but I'm going to do my best here. Todd Menhinick, I'm pretty sure is, is right. I'm, I'm sorry, Todd. I know I've said this, but you sounded before, legit to but me. Anyway, uh, well, good. So Rob says good. So it must be good. Here we go. He says, I'd love to know his thoughts on the future of guitar, YouTube and Instagram, the platforms, have given us some of the most amazing talent we've ever seen on the instrument, but it also sometimes feels very niche. The guitar is less visible in popular music than earlier eras. Are YouTube and Instagram a springboard for a new generation of stars, or are they the new reality of an art form past its commercial peak and settled into a smaller and more intimate future? Yeah. Uh, Great question. That's interesting. I don't know that I agree with some of that, but I get what he's saying. So I think it would be fair to say YouTubers, how do I put this? So I have always, I was a musician first and foremost. I played guitar before YouTube even existed. And I was in bands Mm -hmm. for for 10 years before YouTube. So I I was always a musician that used YouTube. I I do, this is going to sound crazy, but I do not view myself as a YouTuber. I'm just a guy that sings, plays guitar, and I make YouTube videos. I don't make YouTube videos. Now, there's, I'm making a distinction there. A YouTube video would be, um, let's go out and get a coffee and meet some other YouTubers, and then I'll show you a lick and a riff, and then I'll go and meet uh, a local porn star and have a, a sandwich with her and talk about the industry there, and then I'll go down to um, a camera shop and buy a new camera, and then I'll, I'll go off and shoot some crazy blog stuff, and then I'll come back and, and jam. That's a YouTube video. It's a very specific kind of style. I just 
shoot reviews, demonstrations, and I play my own music because that's the kind of thing that I enjoy and want to do. I think you're going to find a lot more guitarists being born and coming onto the platform making YouTube videos, and they will be um, personality uh, types that can play guitar but are focused around being a personality more than a person that has a band, for example. And I think mm-hmm. they'll have a lot of success. It's 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 a platform that that wants um, people that can do that. And then I think the whole thing will rebel on itself, and you'll find that music will will return to the Nirvana stage, where it's big open chords, leaving the hair on, rough and ready music, and and the platform will get pirate radio. You know, people will start making non YouTube content where they just upload you know, nothing for 10 minutes <laughs> and then 10 seconds or something <laughs> at the end. You're just going to see people rebelling against the bot, making crazy stuff just, just to, to mess with it and be punk and be, and be old school and, and let go of their anger. And that's what the platform, that's when it's really going to come back again and be exciting for me. Um, so I, I have a lot of respect for people who are YouTubers and people that use the platform. But I think you're going to find that there are a lot more social media guitarists rather than people who are guitar players using social media. Yeah, I think you're 100% right about that. I kind of fall into that category even to some degree. You know, I started on Instagram and then the podcast, but I'm not, I'm known as a guitar person, but I'm not really a gu- known as a guitar player because, well, first of all, I'm not that good. And uh, everybody knows that. But secondly, like I spend most of my time as a personality, as you described, talking to people about guitar stuff, talking to people and interviewing them. That's that's what I'm known for. I'm not known for shredding and I never will be. Uh, It's just not what I do. I play a little bit on the Internet. There's clips of me here and there, but. I'm a I'm a personality in the guitar space more than I am a guitar player, which is weird well, to say as a somebody's been playing for 15 years. You know, you're it's an authority. Kind of well, I mean, you you are you are an an authority, a spokesperson, you know, an ambassador. Um, but I, I I for one welcome our new uh, internet guitar overlords. I think it's um, you know, it, it's a place. Doing that will make guitar bigger because it will appeal to younger people who want that from guitarists. Um, there's a new guy, I forget his name, he's amazing, who skateboards and plays guitar at the same time. And he's he's blowing oh, up. Nice. On, yeah, but he's phenomenal too. And um, he's definitely going to be a, a huge deal on social media because what he's doing is cruising around, jamming on his skateboard. It's very vloggy. It's very kind of... Um, I don't know. It's very YouTube. I'll say that. Um, but right. I think that's, that's, that's what it's going to be, you know, and there's nothing, you know, <clears throat> what I'm not saying is it's bad to be PewDiePie or it's bad to be, you know, a- anyone that, that goes out to be a YouTuber. I'm just saying it's a new direction. It's a new kind of rock star. It really is a new kind of rock star. You know, back in the day when I was a kid, bands were huge you know if, you, if 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 a guy from a from a, a big signed band was in the locality you know and you met them you'd be shaking now when people meet youtubers they 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 react that way youtubers are a new kind of rock star and it's you know the, the world is forever changing like that it's really interesting to see how it's progressed from you know, you, making videos in your basement somewhere to now, like, it's a viable thing. It is very much, it used to be kind of looked down upon in the, in a weird way, I think, by yeah. certain <laughs> musicians or certain <laughs> professions. Yeah. But it's, it's weird. Now we, we're to the point where Logan Paul is in talks to fight Floyd Mayweather. Like, yeah, what? I know. that doesn't even, <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. Like, but, know, but if you but look you at it, watch it. I do. I do. I want to watch it. Like Floyd Mayweather has spent decades honing his craft of boxing and Logan Paul has been doing dumb things on YouTube. And, you know, there's arguments to be made of whether or not uh, this should be happening. But the reality is it is happening. 
I don't know if this fight's going to happen or whatever, but the fact that we're even talking about it is is so well, crazy. But that just shows listen, you the power of the the platform. Yeah, Pe- people will do anything for for views and money, even fight someone they know they'll lose against. Um, it, it's uh, I mean, how 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 many times would you be happy to get hit for a couple of million? You know. It's, uh, it's <laughs> depends on who's violence. doing it. I suppose. Yeah, right. <laughs> if it's Mike, not once, not even once. You yeah, know? <laughs> not even once. No. That's exactly what my my dad and I were talking about this the other day, and I was like, I he could he would absolutely be able to knock me out, but I I take a Floyd punch, not taking a Mike punch. I might die if I take a Mike punch. Yeah. I think Mike punch is a life altering, organ shattering situation. You know that you're not going to recover from that. But I don't know. A Floyd punch is probably severely hardcore as well let's put it that way <laughs> but yeah no, i mean it wouldn't funny, be pretty <laughs> no <laughs> you know but youtube is radio and tv and in, in one it's it's a new it's not new but it's what people grow up with now when when i was a kid people grew up with tv nowadays mm-hmm. kids grow up with youtube so I know that because I have people, well, I've met people on tour who go, man, I've been following you for 10 years. And I look at them and they're like, you know, 25. <laughs> and I <Right>. realized <laughs> they were 15. You know, they were a 15-year-old dude or dudess playing guitar, watching YouTube videos. And they've kept following me for 10 years. And they've grown up with me. And that is such an honor, you know. And, and, and they'll know everything about me where i've lived the names of my dogs my ex-wife everything you know it's it's mad and um if if people seriously want to use youtube as a medium you have to be kind of prepared for that level of intensity because it, it can get really intense sometimes yeah it's even with the podcasting the Brian Wampler and I were talking about this. Well, I may have said this on the show before, but we've talked about this a few times where we'll be at NAM and somebody will come up to Brian or, or myself, but more so to Brian and say like, Oh yeah, this and that. And, uh, you know, say something that he thought was just a personal thing between him and his wife, not realizing that he talked about it on the podcast at some point yeah right. <laughs> and then amanda <laughs> will like hit, hit it's not like anything like super intense or anything but amanda will like ask him after they walk away like how does that person know that and he's like oh must have talked about it on the podcast i guess yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's bizarre but there's definitely things that i've said i mean I don't remember a lot of the things I've said on the show, so hopefully I haven't said anything too awful. But it's it just happens when you. I don't really edit these all that much. Uh, it's pretty pretty much as we record it. That's basically what what gets put out there. So yeah, what you're hearing is what you get, people. <clears throat> that's why I'm, let me I'm scroll back. very carefully not swearing for you, so that you, you don't have to do any chops. You know. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it, Rob. You are entirely let welcome. Let me scroll through. And find some more questions. Uh, there's a lot of questions that kind of have a similar thread. So Jason Fuzzmonger and uh, uh, Anthony Dinning, I think is how you say your last name, and a few others basically have the same question. Is How did Chapman Guitars come about? What made you want to start your own instrument brand? Ah, I, I never wanted to. I, I had no interest. I, I, I was always... Listen, I... I my entire life, all I ever wanted to do was play in a band. I love, um, and it's 50-50, 50% for the music and 50% for the the fraternity, the dudes, the hang, the chills. It's just it's the best thing on earth, getting in a bus, the smells of feet, and traveling around and playing music. It's just <laughs> incredible. But I, um, <clears throat> I <laughs> how do I start this story? So I was playing a clinic tour for an acoustic guitar company um it's a an acoustic guitar company in england called faith guitars and they had heard that i was playing with eddie kramer um at abbey road and they sent me a free acoustic guitar which was very nice of them and eddie really liked it we did some promo together for them and they sent me on tour to demonstrate the faith acoustic guitar range 
um, 10, what, 11 years ago now. <laughs> and on this tour, people were coming up and, and getting an autograph or a photograph. And ordinarily, I would have been accompanied by the marketing director of the, of the guitar company. But in this instance, he was, he was unwell, or I think maybe one of his kids was being born. And so a director um, came along instead. And he, he sort of said to me, how do these people know you? And I said, well, it's, it's this new thing called YouTube. I made a video about an amp called the Tiny Terror. And so because they've seen these videos, they, they just want to come and say hi. And he's like, wow, this is crazy. And I said, yeah, it's, it's kind of blowing my mind. And um, we went to McDonald's. I don't normally go there, but we went there for a lunch because it was the closest place. And he said, look, I really want to, you know, hone in on this, this YouTube celebrity thing which is what he said. Um, you know, how about we make you uh, like a, a signature guitar? Maybe we'll make 50 of them, you know, and, and then we'll sell them to your, to your fans and it'll be good promo for you. And, and, you know, it'd be great for us to bring in some of your, your social media following. And I just thought, wow, I mean, yeah, sure. This sounds great. You know, over a handshake at a McDonald's in somewhere in England. And so, um, we kind of left it at that and I went home and I made a video for YouTube saying, guys, I've just been offered a, a signature guitar, but I don't really know what I want because I'm, I kind of love every kind of guitar. Help me come up with, with a design. And we ended up designing the ML one, the first Chapman guitar. Um, of course it wasn't going to be called the Chapman guitar. It was going to be a Rob Chapman signature guitar under a brand called Gould, which is, uh, it was one of their own, brands um of this distribution company and um so mr bruce perrin who, who offered me this signature guitar i i handed bruce the design for the the rob chapman signature gold guitar and they were absolutely inundated with orders hundreds of people wanted to buy it and um bruce was was due to retire and he said to me listen this is this is way bigger than than just a one-off signature guitar. You should consider launching this as a brand. And I, I just kind of thought, what do you mean? I'm, uh, what do you mean launch it as a brand? And he said, look, just just <laughs> we won't make it a Gould. Why don't we just call it a Chapman and launch it as a a, a Chapman guitar? And, and then that's yours. You do what you want with it. And I was like. Uh, Okay. Now he didn't have to do that. He probably just thought it would be a flash in the pan, one-off thing. It's a nice gesture. And, um, and thank God that he did, you know, because we made 500 of those guitars. They all sold. Um, it, we sold a lot of them through Andertons because in the interim, my buddy Lee had called me up and said, Hey, I understand you're making videos. I really like them. Do you want to work with me? By the way, can I buy some of these Chapman guitars? And I, I was literally given a brand. I, I had never intended to launch a guitar company. It was just supposed to be a signature guitar. And Lee said to me, well, we made loads of money on the ML1. Why don't we do another one? What shall we call it? And I went, what about ML2? <laughs> so so we, uh, because it had been really popular doing the design with everybody else, like collaboratively, we did it again and did it again, did it again, kept going and ended up kind of being the, the guitar company that, that operates with collaborative design on polls, you know, using YouTube and Instagram and the website, Chatham Guitars website. And I, I fell in love with the process, um, loved the guitars that we were making that I, I used in all my different bands. And that's, and it's just grown, you know, now it's a limited company and we sell thousands of guitars all over the planet. Um, and it's, it's you know, beyond my wildest dreams, never set out to own a guitar company, still pinch myself every morning. That's a, that's an amazing story. I love that kind of stuff. Where it's, I also, I like intentional stories. I know a lot of people that have, you know, intended to build a brand and move forward with that. But I also kind of like hearing the, and we fell into it and it worked yeah. story. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how much we fell into it. I mean, this company has only been 
a company for three years, I think it is now. Before that, it was literally a handshake between myself and Lee. That's it. A handshake. Wow. We just did everything as friends. No, you know, we weren't a business. We weren't, you know, nothing. It was literally just a, an agreement between friends because Lee and I are best friends. And we, we formalized it and turned it into a limited, you know, company um, just a few years ago. And now Lee and myself are 50% owners each. We, we own the entirety of the business. But before that, it was just, just a couple of buddies, you know, we we never did anything that would risk it. We you know never spent lots of money anywhere. We we didn't take a lot of money out. We just made a little bit and put it back in the business and kept things going and just played it safe. I mean, that's that's incredible. How did you and Lee come to know each other? That would be an interesting story. Well, yeah. So I, <laughs> uh, it starts with orange, uh, orange amplifiers. Um, I purchased a tiny terror to use in the recording of the black hand. Uh, when I went to Abbey road, uh, I wanted mm -hmm. a tiny terror for a, a very particular track. I was recording that needed that really hard pushed 15 watt little amp screaming its nuts off. And, um, I made a stupid video with the, with the tiny terror and they really liked it. And it, it got a lot of views at the time. I mean, something like 20,000 views, which back then was huge. <laughs> and, right. and I got a phone call from from a guy called Damon, who at the time was running Orange with Cliff. And he said, hey, you know, we love your videos and you're playing and your band is really cool. Um, would you like to come and meet us and maybe play some, some clinics? And I was like, yeah, do I get paid? And he's like, we think so. We've never done it before. <laughs> And so I was, I was intrigued. Um, I went down to meet them and, and met Cliff Cooper is, is lovely guy. I met Damon and, and, um, aid the, the head designer, everybody and really fell in love with the amplifiers and agreed to become, uh, what, what we called a clinician. Um, so I was orange's first ambassador, who would turn up and play trade shows like the NAMM show, Music Mesa, Music Productif in Ibimbura and all these different things. Back in the days when there weren't that many of them. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I had a great time. Um, sold lots of orange amps, you know, and then sort of just kept doing it, kept doing it. Uh, wait a minute, this leads to something else, doesn't it? So orange turned into oh yeah so lee <laughs> saw a lot of my videos with orange where i was doing trade shows and where i was showing off the product and he phoned me up and said hey uh i've seen you making videos for orange and, and you're also making videos for another guitar store called world guitars in hitchin um with jeff and smithy and um you know i, I just wondered if you'd like to come and make videos for andertons and in my defense I had actually never heard of Andertons. I didn't know who they were. Um, I had only purchased stuff from um, a couple of other places or, or, or honestly just been given stuff, which was very, um, a very fortunate position to just have that happen. But I didn't really buy a lot of gear. And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, that sounds cool. Let me come and meet you. And so they kind of headhunted me from this other guitar store. <laughs> and um, I, I drove down to Anderton's, which at the time was, was a couple of hours from, from where I lived, which is kind of handy. And sat down, had a long chat with Lee and Andrew, who at the time was a guy that was doing the, the video uh, work. And I said, you know, as long as I can say what I want and I'm free to, to just be truthful then then yeah it sounds like fun and in the first video we shot we kicked off and i went greetings i'm rob chapman and, and lee said and i'm lee and i went wait a minute hold on could you be could you be the captain and he's like i mean why and i said well it would just be cool if you if you like if we had a fictitious pirate boat <laughs> and <laughs> and in that moment i think lee understood me and he went you know what? That's fine. I'll be the captain. And he went, and I'm the captain. And we, and that was it. The first video was in, it was, uh, the slash Epiphone versus the slash Gibson. We hit it off, became friends and 
<laughs> since then we've done all sorts of ridiculous things. I <laughs> I don't I don't know if Lee wants me to tell this story or not. We don't really know he each other. Definitely all that will. Well. Okay. <laughs> we we don't really know each other all that well, but we did meet at Nam a couple times, but one time in particular I was I think we were introduced by uh, Matt Knight who works over there at Boss. Yeah, Boss. As and and the Guitar Nerds podcast for all the listeners of Podcast World. Yeah. And uh, he's like, he's like, Lee, you need to meet Blake, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, hey, Lee, I, yeah, fan of the videos. How's it going? And he's like, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, so I probably won't remember this. I'm like, that's cool. I, I understand. It's now. <laughs> so yeah. that was my, uh, my brief meeting with Lee. And I'm like, I think... I think I'm going to like that guy when I get to meet him not drunk one day. That will See, be See, the thing fun. is, Anderton's probably has the biggest internet reach for guitar product um, of all of the retail stores. And so not only is, is Anderton's making content at the NAMM show, but then also Lee obviously owns or co-owns other brands. Mm-hmm. And... They're also used by brands to, to launch product. So Lee is, I mean, Lee and I are unbelievably busy at the show. And it's it's also his only opportunity to kind of let his hair down because he's a dad of two kids just like I am. So we go to California, right. we have a few beers, get a hot dog, you know, um, love the food and the weather. And, woo, you know, suddenly it's just chilling out time and meet your friends. And, you know, it's like a family reunion. And I really miss it, to be honest. And um, right. So Nam is probably the worst and best time to hang out with Lee Anderton because he'll be going a million <laughs> miles an hour or he'll be exhausted, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think this was like Sunday. So you can imagine. Oh, yeah. Like that, oh, yeah. that's burnout day. You're done. Totally. You're done. <laughs> yeah, You've got yeah. nothing left to give. You, you need it's, that uh, Friday morning, Lee Anderton. That's what you need. Yes, yes. I'll I'll get with him one of these days. It'll be fun. But yeah, I just I'll never forget that. It was just like I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm very drunk. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool, dude. I mean, it's Nam. It's fine. Uh, well, let's dig back into this Facebook group and see if we have any other good good quality questions. Ooh, here's a good one. This is a very good one. Levi Folk. He says, he seems almost impossibly busy, and time management is a super underrated skill for a musician. What is his secret? <laughs> I um, Thank you for, for suggesting that I'm good at organizing my time. I think, truthfully, I'm probably not as good as people would think. Um, I get up pretty early because I have kids. I'm always up at sort of half past six, seven a.m. Um, I am blessed to have an amazing wife who looks after the kids. I go straight to a studio and I just work until I drop. And I've been doing that for 10 years. Um, I I think the thing is when you, when you love what you do and I really love what I do, um, it doesn't always feel like work. You know, sometimes it does. Like today, I, I had a lot of editing to do, and I really didn't want to do it. And I sat there just kind of going, oh, man, shall I order some chicken wings or get a coffee? I've done that already. Okay. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it, it got a bit monotonous. But I, <clears throat> I, I do things I love. So if, for example, in a month I needed to write lyrics for a Criterion track or I needed to write a guitar part for Clockwork, Wolf & Company, or I needed to make a video for Halloween that was coming up, or, you know, I I know they're there to do. I have a to-do list, but I only do them when I have that urge to do them. Otherwise the content or the music suffers and it doesn't have that feel of, of reality to it. It doesn't feel real. So mm-hmm. I tend to shoot videos in the morning, have a little break, go for lunch with the guys in Malta and then come back and write music. And I, and I recently I've been writing a lot of music in the past three months. I've written two songs for Clockwork, Wolf & Company, one song for Red Tower, and four tracks for Criterion. 
um, I just seem to be, I can just sit down and write a song at the moment, which is great. It's just my brain processing all of the, <laughs> all of the plague <laughs> problems, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I find music is easier after about 1 PM and shooting videos is easier at around 10 AM. I think my brain, uh, is wired to be better at certain tasks at certain times of the day. Um, and yeah, there's no, there's no trick. I just, I just, you know what it is? Honestly, a lot of people just don't do the work and a lot of people give excuses for not doing it. Like I'm tired or I don't feel very well or oh, it might not work or oh, I haven't got this or I haven't got that. I just do it, get up, do the work, come home. And, um, it's always been that way. That is one of the biggest things that I think holds people back. I can make excuses for myself all the time. You know, like it's, it's easy to just be like, well, I, well, I can't do that today because my foot kind of hurts, you know, like yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go hang out. You know, I can't do that today because of X, Y, Z, but I found kind of like a good workout. It's like when you force yourself, it tends to feel better when you're done. You're like, oh, I'm glad I did that. Now I don't feel yeah. like a lazy sack of garbage for not just for just not doing it, you know? And just putting in the work and putting in the hours and putting things out there, you don't know what's going to stick. You don't yeah. know what is going to <clears throat> resonate with people necessarily. Yeah, that's true. It's um you you got to you got to put it in. You got to do the thing. Whatever that thing is you're doing, whether you're trying to do a YouTube show or a podcast or whatever, you got to keep consistent. I've told people before, one of the biggest mistakes that I made with this show is, and it was really kind of unavoidable, but I was working full time, trying to get this off the ground, running some other side business stuff all at the same time. And my wife was having a kid and all this stuff. And basically it would just got to a point where I couldn't schedule podcasts. I just couldn't get them to line up or I'd get them mm. scheduled and the guests would have to cancel whatever the yeah. case was. And there was I'd like a three off. month gap. Yeah. It's, it was, it was really bad. And, uh, what I should have done was like publish an episode and say, Hey, I'm trying, I'm not going away, but I, I keep running into problems with schedule. But I went for like three months in this was years ago where I didn't publish a single episode. And a lot of people thought I had quit. They just thought I was done. And who knows how many of those people never came back. You know, it was yeah. really gaining some momentum at that time. And they may have thought I quit and just they moved on to other podcasts well, and moved on with their not, lives. You no, know, nah, probably not. Probably they just waited, sat there glued to the screen waiting for Blake to, to, to reappear <laughs> peeping I'm through sure your window. Um, but the yeah, thing is yeah. pe people like you and me, <laughs> uh, we're, we are, let's not kid ourselves. We're blessed to be able to do this. And I feel incredible. I feel incredibly thankful 100%. that I can even do this. And so I think I often wake up and think, what kind of person would I be to not give 110% to this? You know, how many people would want to be in my position? And so I, that, totally. that often fuels me when I'm tired or I've had a bad day or, you know, someone has said something nasty about me on the internet or whatever. I just think I am blessed to even have any of this. And so give it everything you've got, you know. A hundred percent. I mean, I just have to think for me, the journey hasn't been quite as long. So I just have to think to me from three years ago, would me from three years ago be super stoked every day? Yeah. And that's why generally I am pretty excited. Like it's a, uh, it's amazing that this is an opportunity that, that is even possible for people. Now my son is telling people yeah. like when, when he gets to go back to school, he's five, he's, you know, excited to go back to school at some point. Aww. And he's like, I'm going to tell everyone that you're a podcaster. And I'm like, how weird is that? That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge thing. Yeah. I mean, people like Joe Rogan have made podcasting huge, you know, and you're at the forefront, you know, in, in our industry, you're up there. And, um, you know, it's, it's the new radio is what it is really. So it's, it's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre world. I'm very thankful. You, you are a hundred percent right. We are blessed to be able to do this and 
for whoever's listening to this right now, thank you. You make it possible. So there you go. Yes. Thank you very much. So let's see. We're at 50. Okay. This is a perfect time. This is perfect timing. So we got a couple classic things to get into to wrap the episode up. But before we do that, this is your chance to, if you just want to say, yeah, well, you're in a unique position where you can do this on a regular basis, but maybe not with such a captive, you know, glued in audience at this point. If you got something you want to say, if something you want to plug, or just something that's been on your mind and you want to tell it to a few thousand people right now, now's your opportunity. <laughs> um, I want to say thank you to everybody who has supported me over the past you know, 11 years. Um, I want to say thank you to you, Blake, for inviting me here. Um, I want to say thank you to the staff at Chapman Guitars who work and make amazing uh, guitars and products. I want to say thank you to the beautiful people at Snake Oil who are making incredible new products right now with DSP. Um, I want to say thank you to my wife, to my kids for being amazing, even when they scream at me and shout at me, to my parents because they had sex and then here I am, <laughs> and uh, to Devin Townsend for being probably the best musician in the entire planet. And I just I feel blessed and thankful that this is where I am and this is what I'm doing. And I hope that people who watch my videos and listen to my music, enjoy them, even if it's just for 10 seconds of making some beans on toast or having a coffee in the morning or something. If, if they just get a little tiny bit of chilled out, happy vibes, and then they move on, that, that's all I need to know. And it makes me happy. So thank you very much to everybody listening for supporting me and being involved in, in my world. And yeah. I love it. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I knew I would. So well, this did good. not disappoint at all. All right, so for our classic questions, let's start with this one. What is your favorite boss pedal? <laughs> uh, oh, so look, I'm going to say it's the tuner because you need a great tuner, and there is only one in my opinion. TU3 or the Wazacraft tuner. They actually don't, and you've got to bear with me here, but they actually slightly change the tone of a guitar. They really do because they, they, they affect the signal. But it's the best tuner on the planet. But the new Wadzakraft Metal Zone is effectively a mega high-end awesome preamp, and you should try it in front of a clean amp. All right. I will. I actually have been meaning to pick one of those up, and I don't know why I haven't yet. I feel kind of dumb. That's so good. Is is it as good as I think? I've hyped it up in my mind to be really good. Is it? No, it's it's. Imagine that, and it's better than that. Mm, I'm gonna have to. I gotta get one. <laughs> I have to get one. All right, solid answer. I like that. All right, and now this is where we get controversial, and I know we can probably go pretty deep on this one. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh man, you are summoning the wrath, especially because I'm I live in Malta, mm -hmm. which is an you know an hour and a half from Sicily. Um, I'm going to have to apologise in advance to anyone of Italian heritage um, or, or even Maltese heritage. Maltese people have their own pizzas with with things like potatoes and goat cheese and capers on them. I um I like a deep dish with pepperoni, vegan cheese, because I, I'm lactose intolerant. It needs to be gluten-free because I, I have a, a gluten intolerance and I like pineapple. Oh. And I'm unapologetically saying oh. I like pineapple on a pizza. I said this podcast is over. I, I, would order, <laughs> I would order a pineapple pizza and then have pepperoni on it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I love the, I love the apple. Yeah. I, but, you know, people are putting kiwi on them and stuff now. That's just wrong. That's bad. I saw strawberries the other day, and I about threw my phone across the room. That, see, now, right, this is where pineapple dudes need to unite with non-pineapple dudes and fight the war against the strawberry and kiwi people for being immoral. <laughs> they are. They're immoral. They're against humanity. They're, <laughs> they're trying to bring us yes. all down. 
Yeah. All, all these arugula, blue cheese, walnut, and strawberry dudes need to just, you know, find another meal. <laughs> well, I'm okay with arugula. I can do the arugula, but but get the strawberries out of here. I don't want any of that. Yeah. No, pineapple. <laughs> I I feel like I've been fighting this pineapple fight for a while. I uh, I remember when it became a thing on the internet to hate pineapple on pizza. And I was like, I've been hating pineapple on pizza, well, really in general. I just don't like pineapple. Uh, since the 90s, you know. You there's know. just so much more on the <laughs> There's just so much more on the planet to hate, like you know, inequality and racism, you know, all this stuff than pineapple. Give pineapple some 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 slack, man. You know, it's a fruit that that you can put on things. <laughs> I keep trying to go back. I mean, I do hate all that stuff, obviously, but I feel like that should go without saying. But apparently, we have to say it. But anyway, it <laughs> it. Uh, it uh, I, it's one of those things. I'm a very open food person. I will try just about anything once. And every year or so, I go back to the pineapple. I'm like, all right, friend, is it time? Is this the time? Because there's been foods that I, I didn't like that I developed a taste for by trying them frequently. Okay. And every time... Let me help you. Oh, Let me okay, help I'm you. Ready. Okay, I'm ready. I can, I can help you because I cook every meal in my house. I've been cooking since I was six. You get the pineapple okay. from a can, you drain it, you put it in a frying pan with butter and with rum, and then you fry it in that rum with a bit of salt, a bit of paprika, and then when it's fried up and crispy on the edges, then you put it on the pizza with the mushrooms and the cheese. Don't just put on the, the pineapple with the juice. Squeeze the juice out, cook it in the rum and the butter. Then it's a different beast. Hmm. You have, you have piqued my interest, sir. That does sound like something I might be able to get on board with. It's just like it crisps it up, I imagine, and like takes away some of that chewy, it's chewy like, texture that yeah. I don't really like that well. Yeah. Um, think about think about bacon, sweet, sweet, smoky bacon. That's the kind of the kind of vibe you go for. Oh, okay. all right, all right. You've t you've talked me into it. That's the how I'm. That's how I'm going to try it next time. I've just been trying it raw. Maybe I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> don't don't go wrong. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much again for coming on. This was an epic chat, and I'm Thank so you. glad we got to do it. This has been just killer. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. And um, yes, everyone have an amazing day and thrive during the plague. And um, yeah, take it easy. Right on. All right, everybody. For Rob, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you had a good time. I know I did. And if you'd like a little more of this conversation, including some very off-topic talk about aliens, go to patreon.com slash tonemob, where again, for just five bucks a month, you can help keep this thing going, help keep this thing on the rails and the lights on, quite literally, quite literally. The patrons are paying my electric bill as we speak, and I am so, so, so very thankful for that. So anyway, if you can't do that right now, I understand times are really weird. Things are very strange for everyone, but if you could just tell somebody about this show, tell a friend, tell family, tell anybody you think might get a little something out of this, you could let them know that it exists via social media or even in person. That's that much more powerful if you can be like, hey, dude, you got to check out this, this episode. This episode is so good. Share your favorite episode. If you have a favorite episode, go ahead and send that to your buddy right now. Tell him you got to listen to this. That honestly helps out more than anything. If you need more Tone Mob stuff in your life, you can come follow me on Instagram. I'm at the Tone Mob. If you need some longer form content, you can go to YouTube. I've been working on that a little bit more lately. I did an episode, an episode? Are they still episodes on YouTube? Sure, sure they are. I did an episode where I boiled some strings. I did an A-B test. That's what I did last week. That was kind of interesting. So if you need some of that, you can go to YouTube, search the Tone Mob. You'll find the channel. And if you want to engage with the community, the best place to do that is on the Facebook group. If you're going to be on Facebook anyway, go ahead and search The Tone Mob. Answer the questions. We'll let you in. We're talking about food. We're talking about gear. We're talking about nonsense. So check it out. Come hang out with us. I'm in there every day. And there are a couple thousand of us being dorks. And it's a lot of fun. All right. Let's sign off for this week. Thank you again for checking this episode out. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. 
I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.